You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint. And tonight, a couple of new faces, but familiar voices. Jamie Ellerton, principal over at, I can never say. Canaptus. There you go. He's also a political pundit. And Tom Parkin, you know him from Post Media, also a political columnist and uh, a bluntly social democratic political view. How you doing? Good to have you both. All right. Let's talk a little bit about pot. And uh, it was the talk, of course, in Ottawa today. We just had an interview with Senator Leo Hussakis uh, on why, in fact, he and uh, 22 other conservative senators voted against this particular bill. They say it was rushed through. It was done for political gain. There are a lot of problems with it. Uh, Here is um, how one conservative senator explained it. Every article should be amended. It's it's a piece of (laughs) He don't protect people. He don't. He will not uh, um, exclude uh, organized crime for for in in the production. So, everyone, I think most of senators said that that bill has been written very badly. That, of course, uh, not not mincing any words. Conservative Senator Boisvenu, uh saying it like it is. And uh, Tom, I'll start with you on this. I don't particularly have any issues with legalizing pot, but I do want it done properly. And I don't think uh, it's necessarily fair to vilify those who voted against it because their arguments are simply that it's got to be slowed down and done right. Well, there's there's concerns to be raised. That's fair enough. Uh, and there was a vote in the Senate tonight, and um, it went through. So it. The legislation is on its way. Listen, this is going to happen. There's so much money behind this now. Sure. It's unbelievable. And the money is being fronted, frankly, by ex-politicians. If you look at the big big marijuana companies, the big cannabis companies, they've got uh, ex-people <laughs> from police forces, people from uh, pre- former premiers. They've got politicians of all stripes. It helps to have friends in all the right uh, places. Because you I don't got, have those be, friends, be, damn it! No, I know. So because you, you got to lock up a license and you got to determine. Got to lock up a politician. That's right. So there's a lot of money behind it. It's going to happen. Right, but you know their argument was like you've got to just get it right. And I think one of the big criticisms from uh, Senator Husakis, Jamie, was that you know these independent senators are anything but. They were whipped, told how to do it, and Mr. Trudeau made it very clear this was going through one way or another. Yeah, I think the aspect of independent senators was kind of uh, that fig leaf torn down today. You saw a story starting first thing this morning, how they were all being summoned by PMO or PMO Senate surrogates to get them all back to Ottawa when they realized they potentially did not have the numbers to get this vote passed. Uh, I, too, support the legalization of marijuana. And I think some of the things that opponents of this have continued to throw up to just try and delay this inevitably forever, like it's never going to be good enough. I think governments actually just have to get on with this. I think whatever the bill final implementation date is, provinces then know that that's the date and they have to essentially invest the resources to do it. And I think one of the things, even if you look here in Ontario, that would help with that, of looking at what enforcement and regulation is, is to actually get government out of the bricks and mortar retailing of all this, including the online system, and truly Mm -hmm. just regulate the market, regulate the product and regulate its distribution and enforce standards when they aren't being met so that this indeed gets off the streets, it gets off the black market and uh, stays out of the hands of children. Yeah, look, it's not going to. Um, but the bottom line is it's going to roll out and they will own it. This government will own it, problems and all, because I've talked to a number of municipalities. I've talked to First Nations groups all saying, hey, hold on a second. 
the, ta- the First Nations groups are saying we want taxation powers. So they're saying, you know, we've got to be, you know, uh, given our, our, our fair say. They're also saying that they are not ready to police it or roll it out. And then you've got a number of municipalities that are saying we are just literally not getting any information. We don't know how this is going to work or how it's going to be paid for to police this. So there are some very big issues. And they've been the, the government including the provincial liberals, have been slow to explain in two months what it's going to be like yeah. to do this. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot of gaps there. I, I, you know, funny thing, uh, the other night, uh, a couple weeks ago, got a phone call on my cell phone, picked it up, and it was somebody from a polling company. Uh, and I knew the polling company, and they were asking a whole series of questions about how do you think the government was doing on this, and how do you think the government was doing on that, and how do you, how do you think they're doing preparing for marijuana, and how, how are they doing preparing for cannabis, to, 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 series of questions about it. Now, I happen to know somebody who works at that polling company because, you know, I haven't worked in politics. And I called him up the next day and said, oh, who's, you know. Who's the client who's behind the client? this? <laughs> Cabinet <laughs> office, right? Yeah. So they're very, very sensitive to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I guess appropriately so because this is a big deal. Sure it is. Uh, you know, we still don't really know how uh, we're supposed to be measuring intoxication. Uh, and that's pretty significant. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's some issues to be crossed here and, uh, July the 1st is coming. It is, but look, you don't know where you, where are we going to be? Okay. So where are you <laughs> going to be able to smoke it? They say you're only going to be able to smoke it in your house, which means everybody's going to be hot boxing their family, which will be great. Uh, but again, in Ontario, you're only allowed to do it the most unhealthy way. They have no edibles. They have no other ways you can consume it other than smoking it, I guess. Um, the other thing is, you know, like. That's it? You can't smoke it outside? And then if you do get to smoke it, then what about cigarette smokers? To me, there's just going to be a lot. of, And then the policing is a whole other ballgame. Yeah, I think another part of this, Alex, as well, is is when kind of critics talk about this, and there are a lot of legitimate concerns as to what this looks like, it makes it sound as if this is totally illegal, nobody does this today, and pandemonium is going to ensue. Like, there are dozens of dispensaries already operating here in the GTA. You walk down (laughs) Queen West... Yeah. On any given afternoon, down, yeah, and at some point industry. between Bathurst and Ossington, yeah. you'll get a whiff, and that's just one pocket of the city where I happen to funny, live and frequent. And fun, so, funny story for you. So, a friend of mine, a friend of a mine, a friend, a friend of mine, he uh, he goes over to the neighborhood dispensary, the closest <laughs> one by by, uh, by him, and uh, says, uh, "Goes you're in not there, the friend, goes in there, and he says, uh, <laughs> listen, uh, I I need some weed because I've got a really bad toothache,' which was true. Yeah, yeah. That was true, and he said, uh, "Sir." You cannot get weed for a toothache. He goes, oh. But is it causing headaches? (laughs) But my my back hurts. He goes, oh, well, then come on in. And they gave him his weed and off he went. That was was the... uh, And he won't change his habits. This is all out in the open. This is all happening illegally. Uh, And yet we're still putting people, uh, giving them criminal convictions for, you know, it's it's nuts. Yes, I think on that point we can kind of stop the madness on this. (laughs) And from like a government enforcement standpoint, A, focus priority on resources of regulating the controlled product. And ensuring that its distribution is only going through legitimate means. Yeah, but and be focused on the public education. If you've got piece. a supplier now, you're not going. Look, there are a lot of great cafes and such that are already set up. They know exactly what they're doing. And I think Doug Ford is on to something when he says this is a free market thing. And eventually, I don't think they're going to have any choice but to make it a free market thing because it's better the for liberals consumers. are also well. kind of susceptible to this from a brand standpoint. Of They can't be seen to be championing this too much because the community safety and the parents with young children or parents with teenagers who are trying to say don't do drugs 
don't want to be seen to have liberal politicians championing this. So they have to kind of lead from behind on this. They open the breach by enforcing or essentially legalizing it Mm -hmm. and letting the kind of chips fall where they may and then essentially clean this up in the years to come, I think is what we're going to see. I, yeah. I, once that genie's out of the bottle, once the toothpaste is out of that tube, you can't put it back in. And again, going back to your friend with the backache. Toothache. Toothache. The, the, the backache was the made-up story. Period cramps yeah. works as well, sure. by the way. Uh, but again, you're not going to change your habits. So the black market, I think it's very naive to think that the black market is going anywhere. But if you're uh, if you're in private sales, um, you might want to latch on to that. You know, I'm not... Just speaking hypothetically Your friend here. is telling you this. No, yeah. I'm just saying, if you were if you were in uh, legitimate sales, going to legitimate sales privately, you would want to buy in and take over control of existing illegal uh, sales routes, mm-hmm. right? The distribution end, because they've got the client base. So you want to bring that client base to your store. Um, that's, the way that, that's the way that strategy would work. So it kind of makes for a different uh, impact on the illegal business if we do it in a government way. Right, but if they're saying, uh, Jamie, that there's not going to be enough stock even to get into the stores until probably the end of the summer, people by then are going to say, to hell with it. I'm going to find my own channel to get it. And, you, and once you've got your channel, you're not you're not changing your mind to go and buy it from a union rep at the, uh, what are they calling it? The Ontario... CBO wins cannabis yeah. counters. Yeah. yeah, I think that's definitely going to be an issue in terms of how it goes. You're going to buy the cheaper, stronger stuff. I think like in terms of the legalized regulated market, one of the advantages they'll have over time is essentially product quality. You know what you're getting and you'll know, you'll familiarize yourself with the strains and whatnot. If you look at the, you talked about edibles, oils and other stuff, like I don't even know the whole breadth of products offerings that Canvas can go into and how you can consume it. I think that part of it will be one. And I think also governments have to be smart about this. If their true goal is to kill the black market, you need to keep prices low enough from what the taxation levels are so that you're actually pricing out the black market. You see this in convenience yeah. stores, owners across the country who talk about their contraband tobacco being sold on the street because cigarette taxes are too high. Yeah. I get that smoking's a bad thing. I get that it causes a strain on the healthcare system. Not to mention, if the First Nation groups are cut out of that, the same thing that we see with tobacco products is going to start happening. So exactly. I think government has to like look at all the levers they have at their control here and not get greedy when they see potential tax revenue coming in to fund <laughs> whatever their pet projects are. All right. Got to wrap it there, guys. Go to a quick break. When we come back, if you're going to preach the moral high ground, you better be perfect. We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Gossiping here on the break. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point. This is Counterpoint. And tonight we've got Jamie Ellerton and Tom Parkin debating all things. Well, let's talk about what happened in provincial politics today, because I think uh, either the stress is getting to the party or maybe we're just seeing the true colors. But a couple of very prominent provincial liberal cabinet ministers got themselves into a little bit of hot water. Let's first listen to what happened in question period with Stephen Del Duca. Liberals sold off Hydro One. It was a fire sale that rewarded their donors, insiders, and fat cat friends. And that's why this government cannot be trusted anymore to do anything that is right or fair for the people of Ontario. Doug Ford has said he will reduce hydro rates even further. Why won't this government do what Doug Ford wants? Minister of Economic Thanks very much, Speaker. It's adorable to watch the member across talk about Doug Ford <laughs> and the crowd, the crowd that showed up to see him, Speaker. Oh, you're so precious, Mr. Del Duca. Uh, then, while introducing uh, an announcement at a hospital, the f- you know finance minister, Mr. Souza, got himself into this little pickle. Thank you for the eye candy behind me. <laughs> Oops. These right. sound like clips out of Mad Men. 
Well, there you go. So the party that kind of claims the moral high ground, um, you know, I think Kathleen Wynne might have been shaking her head at that one. Yeah, the, the eye candy was Mr. Uh, just Mr. Souza standing in front of rows, a couple rows of uh, lab techs, doctors, and nurses. You know, as, it's the doctors love the as <laughs> as, as he was doing a health announcement, and he called them eye candy, which is probably the most honest thing he has ever said. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that's actually what pretty much the way he thinks about politics. Because this is our finance minister. Uh, who is doing an announcement today about you know we're gonna we're spending more money on healthcare, but you know Alex, every year except for one year, mm. every year since 2010, this government has been cutting public healthcare money. Yeah. It has gone down five percent since 2010. They vilified the doctors. They basically called them greedy. And and we are now the lowest per capita spend, lowest per capita funding for public healthcare. In the country, yeah, we are the lowest per capita healthcare because this is what this generous, generous eye candy regime does. We're going to yeah. call it the Ministry of Eye Candy in the future because that's all they really think this is. It's not about health. Yeah, it's not about taking care of people when they're sick. It's just for them to stand in front and call people eye candy. I think that was a really despicable thing that he said. And uh, you know, I would the only year that in, in this province is 2010 that the, that funding per capita inflation adjusted funding for healthcare went up was 2014 what happened in that yeah. year well yeah. we had an election and as soon as um as uh win was back in the premier's chair came the cuts all over again so this is not a government that can be trusted yeah. because if you look at the record of the past 15 years it's cuts 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 and now they want to be seen as the party of healthcare. Well, you know, I think Ontarians uh, have had enough of that. Yeah, look, uh, it, it was definitely, I think, more than a slip. Um, and he argued it all afternoon of why he didn't do it and why it wasn't like that, et cetera, et cetera. But I think Tom makes a, a point. When you've got a government that all of a sudden cares about mental health spending, they've only had 15 years uh, to take care of this. It has not been a priority until they saw it in uh, Patrick Brown's People's Guarantee of $1.9 billion. Now they've got this money, and now today they've got another $800 million. But to go out in front of a bunch of people who they have been vilified, um, you know, 1,600 nurses have been fired. Uh, you've got people, the doctors don't have a deal, they've been vilified. And then you've got all these people that spent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in education and years of education reduced to a prop for a photo op and eye candy. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's a real concern of this that Tom just alluded to is they continue to say there's no money for anything while they essentially buy off labor groups to win political support. And here in an election year, they're opening the taps. Last year, they finally through some uh, questionable accounting, quote-unquote, balance the budget, and we're supposed to be on a path back to balance yeah. going forward in what's supposed to be a growing economy, and therefore we have no need for government stimulus they're now running, uh, they're saying they're going to be having an $8 billion deficit next week just because they want to, just because it is election season. And when you look at Ontario, is the largest non-country. So for anything that's not a country, so a state, yeah. a province like that, Ontario is the most indebted in the world. Interest payments alone are the third largest expenditure of the provincial government, up over yeah. $12 billion a year. So what could $12 billion a year be going to elsewhere? Other than the bankers, oh, no, autism spending, but, but dementia Jamie, spending. Sure, but Jamie, look, 
you know, uh, the other day, Andrea Horvath came in with a plan for, for expanding dental benefits. Well, I thought it was fantastic. She said it was going to cost $1.2 billion. People said, how are you going to pay for that? She said, well, I'm going to increase corporate taxes a bit to cover that. And people went, oh, okay. Well, I heard a lot of people from your party actually complain about the cost of it. And then I look up in the, in, in the, in the plan, in your party's plan, there's $4 billion over four years of boutique tax cuts, $6 billion in, in cuts because you're taking away cap and trade income revenues. And then there's $8 billion in income tax. Yours is the most profligate party on the go right now, my friend. You're, you've got $18 billion of tax cuts. But that's null and void that, now because we no, don't know what the platform's going to uh, be. So he's not going to have the income tax cuts? I he, don't know what I, he will we've put already, forward. We've already heard him say that cap and trade is gone. And is he going to take away the boutique tax cuts? And now he's talking about some other tax cut for people, $30,000. I don't know what that all right, was all so about. So what we've heard what Doug we, Ford no, say is we we're have, not going to have an 84-page glossy what, magazine uh, as the party's not, platform. What we need is actually a list of items that adds up and balances. And I don't think we're going to get that from your party. I do think that's actually what we're going to get from the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario going forward. When you look at the state of the province and the kind of constant discretionary spending that this government implements and announces literally hundreds of millions of dollars on a whim because it's an election season, Doug Ford's been leader for less than two weeks. He met with caucus for the first time this week. I think the man is owed some time to install his senior leadership team, to consult with caucus, and to put forth a plan that's going to resonate with voters. And I think if you look at how Stephen Harper in 2005-2006 put forward a five-point plan, it was very clear the five priorities that the Harper government was going to pursue, and I hope there'll so, be something but like that. But, getting back to the initial, but let's get back to the initial, the, the initial point, was that you've got two ministers in the one party that calls itself progressive, has been kind of hitting our, uh, us over the head with progressive platitudes and all about the woman and hear me roar, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and look, I I'm not particularly offended by it, but I do think it's a bit rich because if, let's say, Doug Ford had said either of these comments, adorable and or iconic, Candy, he'd be, he would be out the door. Oh, they'd be lighting their hair on fire. Yeah, I mean, well, everybody was upset about it today, as everybody ought to, because they were just... Uh, it, it's it's hard to say for sure that the Del Duca comment was sexist. It it, it certainly could it's be interpreted belittling. that way. It's definitely, definitely belittling. I can imagine it being said to a man, which actually might be even more belittling. But uh, <laughs> to call somebody adorable is uh, yeah, definitely belittling, and and you know it's, it's just distasteful. So and whether it's like Souza today or Del Duca or whoever it's or going Kathleen to be next week, white people. I think last politicians week. do themselves a disservice when they kind of double down on this and try and find ways to justify yeah. it. Admit you screwed up, apologize, and move on. But, and this could have been like a 90-second thing in the yeah. legislature. But, but the critical thing for your party, Jamie, airtime. is at the end of this process, when people go to vote, people have to know. Because right now, it seems to me you guys want to t- cut taxes a lot, you want to raise spending a lot, and you want to cut the deficit down to zero. If you want that to talk about plans, though, are, that also don't add up, Ontario's not an island. We live in an integrated North American economy and in a globalized world. We just saw what the Trump tax cuts in the U.S. has done to repatriate ca- investment capital create, into the U.S. We've already deficits, lost 300,000 manufacturing jobs so you're, here in you Ontario, want, and we have some of the okay. highest industrial hydro rates. So if we're looking to actually move forward on this, we need to get the basics right, and I think Doug Ford so more will have the time you're to the get more this deficit done. Are you the not-deficit party? I'm not sure I would like to see a balanced budget, and Doug Ford said that's going to be. If but, it's going to take a so couple no years to clean up 15 yes, years cuts. of mess, I think we'll uh, see what comes in the time ahead. We'll see. Guys. All right. <laughs> On that note, gotta 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 go visit my friend for a toothache. All right, <laughs> Tom Parkin and Jamie Ellerton duking it out here on Counterpoint. That's gonna wrap that. Thank you, gentlemen, both. You're on point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.